What up, what up? You are listening to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. I'm Rafael Barlow. I run the NBA Draft Junkies website and YouTube channel, which as of today, I am 197 subscribers away from 14,000, which is still kind of shocking to me because, I mean, that's like 5,000 more people than a packed game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So I'm grateful for all the people that are subscribed to my channel. And also grateful for the new audience that I have here on the Locked On Podcast. Today, I want to cover the top point guards or playmakers or floor generals in the 2021 NBA Draft. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Now, I believe there could be up to four point guards selected in the lottery, depending on how things shake out, how the ping pong balls bounce. Right now, there's like a cluster of teams where they're like a couple games away from having the fourth worst record in the NBA to being a playoff team in a sense. So this is a weird year, as most of you already know, but let's talk about the number one point guard on my list. Now I'll put it this way, unless something crazy or unfortunate happens between now and July 28th or 29th, I expect Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State to be the first player selected in the 2021 NBA draft. Now if there were any chatter or talk about anyone passing him up, his 40.11 rebound game versus a top 10 ranked and cross-state rival Oklahoma should have been the silencer. Right now, Cade has played about 21 games. He's averaging 19.7 rebounds, three and a half assists, along with a block and a steal. He's shooting almost 42% from three, which is something I would have never predicted coming into this season. I knew he could shoot. I just didn't think he would be as efficient. To be honest with you, there were question marks and concerns about his shooting while his decision-making and basketball IQ were thought to be like his main strength. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying his decision-making is a weakness, but he's averaging more turnovers than assists, which is something that, you know, is concerning for a guy that is the is expected to be the primary ball handler. I mean, some of his turnovers can be attributed to him having to do everything and literally carrying Oklahoma State on his back. His assist numbers could easily be around five or six a game. That would put him in the positive. But right now, he's, you know, kind of like a shoe in as the number one pick. And he's a point guard who averages more turnovers and assists. Off the top of my head, I can't think of the last time we had a point guard projected to be selected so high with a negative assist to turnover ratio. But I think Cade will definitely be the exception here. And despite the fact that his turnovers outweigh his assist, Cade is a special talent. And what makes him special is his size, his strength, his pace, and the fact that he could probably play up to four positions in the NBA. He's listed at about 6'8", 220, a reported seven-foot wingspan. I think that he'll also be a multi-positional switchy defender. So far, he's been better than I thought he was, and I was high on him as a prospect. I live in the Dallas area, so I've had a chance to watch him play high school, AU. Um, I saw him at the Under-19 FIBA World Cup a couple summers ago, and I've just been impressed with his improvement as a shooter and as a shot creator. 
Now, I knew he could score. I knew he could pass. I knew that he knew how to run a team. But I've been really just impressed with his overall offensive creativity off the bounce this season. I've seen him break down defenders with different moves. He's definitely added some stuff to his toolbox. He's, I mean, he's been, he's been better than advertised, to be honest with you. Now, there have been a lot of comparisons to Luka Doncic, which is setting the bar high, and it's somewhat unfair because Luka is off to like one of the most historic starts to a professional career in NBA history. Now, if there's anyone in this class that could have a similar impact, like immediate impact like Doncic, I'd have to put my money on Cade. Now, in my opinion, two of the top five prospects, just overall prospects in this draft class are point guards. Obviously, Cade is number one. And number two, I'd have to go with Jalen Suggs as the second best point guard in this class. So coming into this season, I knew that Suggs was a former blue chip quarterback who just happens to be quarterbacking the best team in the country this season. Now, prior to this season, some people saw Suggs as a combo guard or even like a pure two, and he's been better than advertised like Kate. And I think that his transition from high school and AAU basketball to college basketball has been, it's been easy. On paper, he's averaging about 14 points, five rebounds, five assists per game to go along with two steals. He's been efficient, shooting over 50% from the floor. Now, as far as like his efficiency, let's just talk about the threes. He started off hot, which was highlighted by that Iowa game where he knocked down 7 out of 10 from deep. Now, he's cooled off considerably since then, with the numbers down to about 33% for the season. He's only taken about three attempts per game, and the 33% is, honestly, it's a little bit consistent with his pre-college percentages. He shot around 30% from three in his last summer on the Under Armour circuit, He hovered around the 30% range or lower in previous AAU and FIBA tournaments. So the 33%, like I said, is more consistent than his hot start. I want to say after like his first seven games, he was shooting like 48% from three. A lot of that was, again, padded by the Iowa game. I do think that he'll be a good shooter long term. So it really isn't that big of a concern. But the main thing is I think that he needs to improve from being streaky to consistent. But overall, he's having a phenomenal freshman season. And if I'm not mistaken, his first basket, he caught a lob. And what better way to start your career than have your opening basket as a dunk on Kansas? And I believe it was Marcus Garrett was the player that he that he dunked on, and Marcus Garrett is definitely not a slouch by any means on the defensive end, which tells you what type of athlete he is. I mean, it's always a benefit when your point guard is a vertical lob threat. Now, Suggs has it all from an athletic standpoint. He's got the speed, burst, he's bouncy, great body control. I like how he's a great athlete, but his game isn't all based off of athleticism. He has some pace to his game, and he's a good decision maker, and he understands how to make the right reads. Now, when I watch him play, I see he has a football background in his game simply by the way he seeks out contact. He likes to play a physical brand of smash-mouth basketball. Sometimes I feel he can be a little reckless, but I like the fact that you know he brings this physicality to the game. But you can also see that he was a quarterback. He understands how to keep his 
receivers happy. And, and in this case, it's not his receivers, but his teammates. He understands how to pass guys open, which is very similar to football. You know, like you see or you hear the comparisons like Patrick Mahomes passed this guy open, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning passed this guy open. I feel like Suggs does that on the basketball court. There's a particular play that comes to mind where he threw like this cross court bounce pass to a streaking teammate. And like I said, he just has this ability to like put the ball in the right spot. And like I said, pass guys open. I like how Gonzaga does a good job of maximizing his gifts, just overall talent and his passing ability by putting him in pick and rolls. You know, sometimes it's tough judging college point guards as pick and roll playmakers because they either don't play in a modern NBA offense or they don't have the role man or the spacing to make it work. Suggs is in a situation where Gonzaga has both. They have the pieces that allow him to showcase his passing skills, but they also have the talent that allows him to play a role similar to what he could end up playing in the NBA. I don't think he'll have like a steep learning curve or have to adjust to playing with talented teammates since basically he's already on a pro team with talented teammates. I see him as a plug and play point guard. I really don't see a situation where he drops out of the top five. Now, I know this is random, but it would be interesting to see if Orlando or Sacramento were on the clock. And let's say they had the fifth pick in the draft. Would they pass on Suggs because he doesn't necessarily fill the team need? Since both teams extended their starting point guards, you got De'Aaron Fox got, I want to say, like $160 million in Sacramento. I think Markel Fultz got over 50. Unfortunately, he's out with a torn ACL, I believe. And then also both teams drafted point guards last season. Sacramento took Tyrese Halliburton, who's having a, I mean, he's having a very good start to his season. He was somebody that I had quite a bit of doubts on, but I thought that if he went to the right situation, he could thrive. And he definitely ended up in the right situation. And then Orlando selected Cole Anthony last year. So, it just makes me wonder if either one of those teams were at number five and let's say Suggs is available, would they take him? Hmm. Now, in a moment, I'll break down my second tier of point guard prospects for the 2021 NBA draft class. I give you my thoughts on Auburn Sharif Cooper and if it's possible to come up with a player comparison for Dacian Nix. The Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is none other than Oklahoma State freshman sensation Cade Cunningham. Cunningham led his Oklahoma State Cowboys to back-to-back wins over their hated cross-state rival, the Oklahoma Sooners. Cade scored 40 points and grabbed 11 rebounds in Saturday's 94-90 overtime thriller. Then he followed it up with a 15.7 rebound forces game on Monday to complete the sweep, which I'm sure brought joy, happiness, and enjoyment to Stillwater. So now I want to ask you, the listener, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra is only 2.5 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and the enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. BetOnline.ag Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. 
football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code Locked On. We're covering everything you need to know about the NBA draft. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's talk about Sharif Cooper. He is one of the most intriguing, maybe even divisive prospects in this class, regardless of position. Now, I think he's one of the most exciting players in all of college basketball. He plays with this flash and this flair and this excitement and electricity. It makes him one of my favorite players to dissect. And by the way, my guys from NBA Draft Dummies had a 30-minute plus podcast on Sharif yesterday. If you missed it, you can check it out here on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. But let's get into his raw numbers. 20 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. Now, 8 assists per game in college basketball is pretty impressive. Since he's only played 12 games this season due to the NCAA investigations, he doesn't have enough games under his belt to qualify to be among the national leaders officially, I guess. But if he did, he'd be second in the NCAA in assists per game. If you've had a chance to watch him play, he's an incredible passer, with great vision and passing instincts. He's exceptionally good at finding the vertical lob threat. And he plays, like I said, with this flash, flair, and this confidence that I I personally love to see. Now, physically, mm, he's undersized. He's listed at 6'1", 180. But I believe that's a little bit of home cooking from the Auburn Athletic Department. If you told me he was 5'11", 165, I wouldn't even doubt you. Despite the fact that he lacks ideal size... You can't deny that he's put himself in position to possibly be a lottery pick. Now, his first step is as quick as a hiccup, and it's nearly impossible for a defender to stay in front of him. You know, when I used to play basketball, the coach used to say, guard your yard, guard your yard. It's tough when it's a Sharif Cooper type player that you just can't stay in front of because he is, like I said, he's exceptionally quick, and he has this creativity and this handle, that, that even makes him tougher to defend. His ball handling, it's like a yo-yo. He's got that thing on a string. He's shifty. He's tough. He's fearless. Everything that you don't want to guard, especially on the island. What I like also is that he has this advanced understanding of how to draw fouls. He's averaging nearly nine free throw attempts per game. I have some experience with player development as far as like skills training. I've worked with NBA players, players in the EuroLeague, high school players. And one of the hardest things to teach is how to draw fouls. And he's already an elite foul generator at nine free throws a game, despite being 180 pounds, allegedly. But dude just exudes confidence. Now, there are 
some red flags and some big time areas for concern. His lack of size makes him a target on defense. Think about Trey Young in Atlanta on the defensive end. Cannot front on what Trey does on the offensive end of the floor. But on the defensive end, you know, there are people that say it's going to be tough for the Hawks to win or be a playoff team with him as their best player because of his lack of defense. But that's a whole nother subject. And as far as Cooper, his shooting. Yeah, it's, it's let's just say he's shooting 22.8% from three. He is 13 for 57. And it doesn't help that he shoots this slow flat-footed set shot where it looks like he's kind of leaning back the fact that his shot is slow I think it has a major impact on him playing off the ball he's only 8 of 24 on catch and shoot opportunities as of today but here's something that's really weird to me and it's one of the most surprising stats he struggles in transition he's only shooting 37 percent from the floor in the open court Nearly 20% of his possessions this season are in transition. So he's getting a fair amount of shots in transition. He just hasn't been efficient at all. And what makes it really weird is his speed is one of his biggest strengths. Like it's one of the main assets that he has to make up for the fact that he lacks ideal size. But despite his speed and quickness, and even his offensive creativity, he just hasn't been able to play efficiently in the open floor. I do still believe that he'll be a, a lottery pick and his game might be suited better for the NBA since he'll have more space to operate and he'll be surrounded by better shooters. But again, there are some concerns and some red flags. I've seen um, people compare him to Chris Paul. I think they're a little bit different. I mean, he's a lot faster I think than Chris Paul but I've also seen people compare him to Trey Burke and Trey Burke was a phenomenal college player I think Michigan went to the championship game with with him as as their go-to guy and at one point you know you, you felt like his size was was being held against him I definitely think that Cooper is a much better passer and playmaker than Burke while I felt like Burke was more of a scorer I could be wrong it seems like it was so long ago but Sharif Cooper, again, like I say, he is a divisive prospect in a sense. A lot of people like him, but everybody has pretty much the same concerns about his shooting, his lack of size, defense, and even like finishing at the basket. On paper, the numbers aren't bad finishing around the rim, but I do think that he struggles with length and physicality because he's so small. But He's also playing in a congested lane, which is something that he may or may not face as much in the NBA. There were other guys that I had similar concerns about. You know, we didn't think Trey Young was going to be a good finisher around the rim. And Trey Young is like a 30-point scorer. Again, I don't want to keep comparing the two because it's tough to compare him to Trey Young, for example, because Trey Young is a shooter, while Sharif is far from a shooter. But like I said... I still think that he'll end up being a lottery pick, and I believe that NBA spacing will do him a lot of favors. So that's my assessment on Sharif Cooper, who, in my opinion, the most exciting player in college basketball. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for the auto and body parts 
from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Now be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Now I've covered the three players that I expect to be selected in the lottery. I think there's one more point guard that has the potential to hear his name called in the top 14, and that is Jaden Springer from Tennessee. 6'4, 204 pound. Now I think he's a point guard, but I've seen people describe him more as a two than a one. Some see him as a combo, but I think long term his best position is as a point guard, I see him more so of a of, of a guy that could, could end up being like a game manager. But as far as his numbers this year, he's averaging nearly 13 points a game, three and a half rebounds, three assists. I love the efficiency, 49% from the floor, 47% from three. Like I mentioned, he has good size and frame at 6'4". He can play both guard spots. I like him as a passer. I think he has good passing instincts. I think he's a creative passer, good feel for the game, good instincts. He makes good decisions. He uses his size to his advantage. He likes to hit his teammates for open shots by throwing skip passes. As far as his athleticism, it's weird. I think he's a good athlete, but he's not like the quick, twitchy, bursty, vertical lob threat. And maybe he just doesn't look that athletic compared to his teammate Keon Johnson, who I who's just a freak athlete. And then he also has these ponds on his team who can probably touch the sky. So maybe that's the reason why he doesn't look like a great athlete because he's on the floor with those guys. But again, you know, he doesn't really have like the burst that you're looking for, but he can get to the basket. Um, if, if I had another knock on him, it would be, I think he has a tendency to be too unselfish. But he has shown flashes of being assertive and aggressive the last few games. He had a 20-point game against Auburn, 20 against Vanderbilt, 16 versus South Carolina, 21-point game against LSU. And in the LSU game, he also chipped in six rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover. Unfortunately, that was a loss for Tennessee. Another game that... It's something that I think a lot of scouts are going to review is the Kentucky game. Now, Kentucky's been disappointing this year. And in that game, Tennessee lost by 15 to an underachieving Kentucky team. Springer was only 2 of 11 from the floor and only had one assist, three turnovers. So I think that's a a game that, you know, when you're looking for, I guess, like some of his weaknesses or, or flaws, that's the game you may look at. And then, I mean, obviously there's more good games than bad games. But, you know, in, in this business, people try to, they have different games that they, they point out and they want to see where you stand. But a couple of things that I had in my notes. Again, I think he is a good shooter and the numbers indicate that he has good touch. Now, I think that 
What's going to help him out around draft time is his age. He's young for his age group. And that's something that I think will definitely work in his favor because he's, you know, he's an upside guy. But speaking of that, speaking of age, man, there are so many guys that are like 19 or 20 years old as freshmen. Like for me, when I graduated from high school, I was 17. I think I may have turned 18 like a week before I went away to college, two weeks at the most. So a lot of these parents, and I get it from an athletic standpoint, you're holding your kid back so he can have an advantage. And then if he ends up being like this freak athlete or whatever with NBA potential, you can put him in his right grade and allow him to quote unquote graduate early, but it's really with his right great so shout out to Springer's parents they never did that I mean there are people that are probably juniors in high school that are older than him and their parents held them back for athletic purposes but I said all that to say this I think because he's so young for his class I definitely think that is going to work in his favor around draft time and like I said at at the beginning of this segment I, I think if there are going to be four point guards selected in the lottery, I think he would be the fourth because he, he has a high upside and just the efficiency. There's a lot of room in the NBA for guys that are 6'4", that can defend multiple positions, that can knock down open shots with some passing creativity instincts. So I think Jaden Springer would be the fourth point guard in, in this lottery. And at this point, I'll just discuss a few players that I think could possibly be first round picks. Now, if you saw my last episode that came out on Monday, I did it on what I feel like is an underrated international class. Josh Giddy is a 6'8", point guard, playmaker, distributor, table setter from Australia. I think there's a slight chance that he'll be able to sneak in the first round simply because he's a 6'8", playmaker. Um, I don't want to go too into detail. You can watch my last video or the last podcast, but great size and feel for a playmaker. Plays at a good pace because he's slow. <laughs> and what's weird is, and I, and I mentioned it last time, he's slow, but he has the ability to affect and change the tempo because he likes to play fast. He's probably at his best as a creator in the open floor. As far as his swing skill, it's a shooting. If he can become a decent shooter, then I think that he has a chance. Again, he definitely is going to have to improve as a shooter. He shoots like a slowish set shot. As far as like areas of concern, he's slow, lacks burst. Um, his shot is also slow. He's okay at getting to the rim in the Australian NBL, but I think he he would have a lot of trouble against bigger, faster, stronger athletes. He's definitely someone that would have to get to the lane with a screen. He's not like the type to break his man down and, and get to the basket. He is a good finisher once he gets to the basket, but I just think like in order to like really unlock his passing skills and his ability to be a playmaker. He's going to have to become more assertive as a scorer, become more of a threat because he has a tendency to drive to pass. And I think once teams know that you're not looking to score, it kind of defeats the purpose of you attacking the rim because they're just going to stay at home and not really help out. So, again, I, I think that he needs to improve as a scorer to maximize his potential. 
Then I have in my notes that he struggles finishing around contact, but that's expected. He's so young. He's playing against grown men, and he's really not strong enough. He needs to bulk up and, and just kind of uh, get stronger. So I still think that he has a chance to go in the first round. He's also pretty young, similar to Jaden Springer. So Josh Giddy from Australia, possible first-round pick. We'll see. The last player I want to discuss is Dacian Nix. And this is a, a, a very interesting player simply because he's hard to compare to. So if you don't know, he was highly regarded. I think he signed with UCLA out of high school, elected to play for the G League Ignite team in the bubble. It's been some mixed reviews. Um, I want to say like his first game, he struggled, had a good second game, or at least a good first half in his second game. The numbers don't really stand out and pop out to you. I think that he showed some flashes. As of today, he's averaging about 9.6 rebounds, 5 assists. So he does kind of fill up the stat sheet. He's doing this in about 26 minutes. He's only shooting 38% from the floor and 20% from three, 69% from the foul line. So the shooting splits aren't good. But he is a big dude. Like, I just feel like he's put on a lot of weight. He's listed at 6'5", 225 on the G League site. He's like the opposite of Sharif Cooper. If you told me he was 6'5", 240, I wouldn't be shocked. The body type doesn't pass the eye test. But I, I think that he may have a shot late first round. Somebody may take a shot on him. Because he's so unique, I think that best case scenario he could maybe have like this talent horton tucker role in a sense even though he's not the athlete but at, at 65 225 allegedly he he may have some ability to play like this small ball four and i mean i think a coach would have to be creative but i, I do think there there's some upside there so there's a chance he could be first round. I mean, I think this draft is going to be tricky simply because I think one through five are set. But I think after that, six through 20, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of fluidity and movement there. So now the part that I mentioned earlier is what is a good comparison? Could it be 32-year-old Raymond Felton? I don't know. I mean... It's, it's tough. If you have a comparison, if you think that there is someone who Knicks plays like, if you had a comparison, let me know. I'll try to pull up the video and, and see if I can, you know, figure out why you came up with the comparison. Well, that wraps up this edition of Locked On NBA Draft. Thank you so much. This is Rafael Barlow. Please subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft wherever you listen to your podcast at. We got a, a great team of guys that are coming with different perspectives. Not everybody is going to have the same perspective. We'll probably be guests on each other's show. But again, subscribe wherever you get your podcast at. Thanks again for tuning in. It's Rafael Barlow, and I am out.